0: Hello and welcome to Vision of Zion. Today we have a special guest, Sean White, who is volunteered to discuss his near death experience. As I mentioned on a prior podcast or two, we're going to examine all of the evidence that relates to the coming last days. Vision of Zion is about giving all of us hope about what the Lord has planned for his children in the future. And Sean has a very unique and special perspective. We're going to not only allow Sean to tell his story in his own words, but also I would like to compare some of his impressions, things that he saw that relate to the future, and See how they match up against other witnesses who have spoken of these things. This would be both biblical prophets, prophets from the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter day Saints, and anybody with the spirit of prophecy who has been given special access to witness these things. I've mentioned several of them in the past. I've mentioned Alfred of Douglas Young. I've mentioned Sarah Manet, or Manette, I'm not sure how she pronounces it. And there are others as well. Suzanne Freeman, I've read hers. There are other accounts of Sol Guardista Guardista during the uh, dedication of the Cardston Temple, and many others who have come to the forefront in the last few decades. And one of the things that Sean and I talked about doing was comparing notes. As I mentioned, we want to find some consistencies some of these things are amazingly consistent with one another and some of them uh, they've seen unique things that maybe don't collaborate with or corroborate rather with other people so we're going to be careful about it and try and find some parallels here and try and merge all this information between the jewish prophets and then the uh, judeo-christian tradition and then the christian tradition on through the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints which has a rich uh, backlog of visions and experiences from the time it's the church was formed in 1830 on through to the present time sean white welcome to the program thank you so much craig for inviting me well, thank you so much for being willing. You're the first uh, person that I have had on the show. And I have been telling people I'm going to have guests on, and it's a privilege to have you be the first one. Thank you so much. Uh, why don't we? I, I think the best place to start would be for you to talk about a little bit about your background and about your, your experience, why you had this experience. And then, if you don't mind from time to time, I might step in and ask a question or two and direct the conversation. So why don't you go ahead and get started, please?
1: Yeah, I so appreciate you letting me share this experience and I would like you to you've heard my story before, and so feel free to intercede and to when I forget things. okay, <laughs> we'll do to go for a subject uh I was raised in Eastern Montana out in uh, what we call the mission field and stuff. And uh, I went through a lot of abuse as a kid. And I know today that this abuse will help form me for the mission I have ahead of me yet to fulfill. But there were times when I was being with lariats, with quartz, with kicked in the head to where I left my body and had to have angels put back in. But I was so distraught at one point and wanting to go back to the other side that I use principles, which I now know today are called autogenic suicide, in which you control your breathing and control your heart rate and everything slip back. And I think it was probably almost more natural for me in doing this because I struggled with breathing. And from a little, from a young child of three years old, my parents hated listening to me breathe because I would start and stop breathing all through the night. and. Um, I've since had many surgeries on my throat and nose and to open up my air passageways and allow me to breathe, which have been tremendous help. So at a point of these beatings, there was one time when uh, I was trying to hold a three-year-old horse, and they're very hard to hold still while they're first getting their shoes on them. And this just like a child holding them. We were trying to trim their fingernails the first time how wiggly they are but this was being very tough and dad got upset with me because i couldn't keep this horse still and had one of the, my brothers get a quart which is used for uh, race horses to get them to go faster so it's got a notch cut into the end of the leather to whip with and when i had to take down my pants and stuff I had, it got beat it left a lot of welts on my back and carol my wife has still found some of those welts today um so i was praying to you at the time uh when i got that beating i was 14. okay beginning of that and um i'd had a girlfriend at that time that i had cherished and was kind of a life-saving factor for me and uh we did a lot of things together with 4-h and other activities and uh, but i would never tell her about the abuse because at the time i thought that i was a bad kid because of all the beatings that i took and everything i thought i probably belonged in jail or something
0: you thought you deserved it
1: yeah and i i couldn't dare tell her because maybe she would think so badly of me also so it was really a conundrum, and with the increased meetings, I got more and more silent, and that does not work in a relationship. And she left, and during the time that uh, my brother had missed a cue, because I thought I was going to die in the one with the cord and the whip, and I gave my brother a signal that he missed with all the anxiety and everything, and because I thought I was going to die, that he would join in and we'd. Have get dad to back off and so i was just beyond distraught and pleading with heavenly father to go back and was practicing my breathing and my heart rate and
0: we say go back you just wanted you wanted to die is that that autogenic uh process yes i wanted to go
1: back to the other side back to heaven because I'd had so many distinct memories of what I felt like was heaven. And now today, I know that those are complete after uh, experiencing the many things out there that I've carried on memories from the time I arrived here on Earth. And so that yeah. one night, laying there in bed, and I feel like I left my body about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, it traveled through that dark tube. And it was so fast, almost as if i was being sucked by a vacuum cleaner up through this tunnel or tube as i arrived i knew this light that was coming faster and faster toward me was peace and heaven and i just knew it was my holy father up there and as i arrived my uncle lynn who had passed away in an accident many years before when a drunk driver hit him was there to greet me and I could tell he'd been running or hurrying very fast to get there. Uh, and he said, Sean, Sean, why are you back so quickly? And I remembered in that instant that I had been back when I was three because of breathing problems. And uh, and I remember the peace and everything and my mom had recorded that I had awoke from one nap and had asked, about Jesus and all these detailed questions when I barely had the words to say mom and dad, and quite a confirmation for me of that experience. So, Lynn was, of course, very excited to see me there on the other side, and he was saying, they're waiting for you in the council chambers. We don't have much time. And as we started to walk, there's my great-grandmother, who I had never met here on earth, Coming up the streets, just you know, not running but very fast, and uh, put her arms around me. And I knew her in an instance, even though I'd not met her here on Earth.
0: You knew she, she was your great grandmother when she came up to you. Yeah, even though you never met her, not you hadn't seen a photograph of her, or it just just a, an in, intuitive seen, knowledge.
1: I had seen some pictures of her, but I knew in an instance just even though she appeared to be a bit younger than many of the photos that I had seen, that it was her. And when she wrapped her arms around me with that beautiful white hair that she had as she got older and stuff uh, and kissed me on the cheek and stuff, that it was just, Oh, it was so heavenly. And I could see as I hugged her grandpa running behind her to greet me. And when he put his arms around me and stuff, I, it felt as if I was Better friends with him than my own brothers here on Earth. That I knew him better, and yet I had never met him here on the Earth.
0: Can I, can I stop a, you for one second here on that? Sure. I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to hear so much more about this. But this reminds me of when I read about the gathering of the ten tribes with the body of the saints in the last days. It says that we're going to fall upon each other's necks and kiss each other, and my my great 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 grandfather i think i said enough greats alfred douglas young when he described the scene he said when he had his out of body experience that he had no emotional reaction to any of the events that he was watching and they were spectacular but when he saw the 10 tribes come and we embrace each other he said he wept and i'm wondering if this is the same thing as when we do get together later on down the road as the gathering of Israel becomes literal um if if that's why is because we recognize people that we don't remember from this life but maybe some pre-mortal existence or connection i
1: know that to be true later on in some other podcasts we'll go into more detail of what i was shown about the 10 tribes and the feelings that i had as we greeted each other and met at I, and with uh, when I got through with my this experience, I realized how even though I had several friends and things, how minute my field of friends was in comparison with what I knew on the other side, and how you know just a pin drop compared to what who we really know here and wow. that has been such a testimony to me as i've met other people and know that i've met them in the (laughs) pre-existence
0: so please continue with your story about meeting uh, this other ancestor when he kissed you on the cheek
1: yes uh oscar my grandfather was there and uh he had hugged and kissed me there and I just knew in an instance how close of friends and how what a relationship we had before I came here to earth and the dear friendship that we had. And but as we started down the street, Grandma I was trying to use my mouth because that's the way we communicate here on Earth. And Grandma was like, Sean, we don't have time for that. And she grabbed my cheek and turned it to her. And as we looked eye to eye with each other, a permission was released that we could communicate like they do on the other side. Uh, Telepathically,
0: would that that be the word we would use
1: today? I think that would be the most appropriate word because I could see everything that she was talking about and to the point that I could almost smell the experiences she was talking about. It was so vivid and so real. is just beyond imagination of how we could share experiences
0: this is very very um consistent with other people who have died and communicated that there's an ability to just instantaneously know and it's interesting you had to relearn this skill uh you know coming from a world where we use maybe some physical um cues but mainly you know voice very interesting
1: And um, I I often compare our language here and the way we use words and stuff. By the time I got to this end of this experience, that we're like cavemen here really pecking out (laughs) our messages on a wall saying there's meat to hills over, you know, and I wondered how we ever make it through this life with such limited communication skills and what it's true challenge it is to communicate with one another
0: and i can say that go, uh no i was going to say that i know that in my life um the times that i really know that the spirit is speaking to me the holy spirit is because i get impressions or ideas that are completely unrelated to my current current my current uh mode of thinking uh ideas come in you go well where'd that come from well you know where it came from it came from the holy spirit and it is it's able to we we say the spirit speaks to us but i think the word speech is just our way of saying i got this impression or this a bundle of knowledge packed together with emotion and, and insight and you know, how it's going to affect us in the future perhaps or what we have to do and we say the word speak but really i think it's what you're describing
1: yeah especially for me where i am more photographic in memory and stuff that uh oftentimes solutions appear as pictures in my mind that i never would have thought of and uh, trying to explain the picture that i see is hard in our language at times
0: so interesting
1: but as we went further down the street there were more and more relatives running from different streets to greet me and uh, i also could see the beautiful flowers along the way and the beautiful fences around the yards and the, the homes and i could tell that the flowers had a melody to them or a praise that they were constantly this hum of praising heavenly father and since i have seen some videos where people have taken a molecule of water under a microscope and increased uh, the volume of certain frequencies and it goes into the water drop of water goes into sacred geometries so to speak beautiful beautiful things and on one a video there, I told my wife, oh, if they would just go one tone higher, that would be what I heard of those flowers. It's just, if they just please go one tone higher, but they never did. (laughs) And um, so these relatives, by the time we got toward the end of the street there, and they were all hugging, and we were all uh, talking to one another, there must have been over 30 there, and they left me at these marble stairs the bottom of this beautiful marble stairs and you had to go up these two or three steps and these beautiful marble columns with um these beautiful excuse me wood doors there and in the 80s when i first had an experience with the lds temple i these pillars and these steps and I was just like, oh my gosh, somebody knows something or somebody's had this experience because this is exactly the way it was in the 80s in the film. As I approached the door to the council chamber there, because they just, they had all said at the bottom of the stairs, we have, you have to go up through those doors and they couldn't go further. And uh, so I went up and a little bit like wondering You know what i was about to experience and those doors as i touched them i could feel them telling me oh sean you have no idea we have the best job in the whole world here we are the doors to the council chamber and our whole existence is to praise heavenly father and to be these council chambers you don't know we have the best job here oh wow (laughs) uh, Even the flowers were telling me that they had the best job there. And my ancestors were telling me that they had the best job there, that they all felt like they were doing things to for Heavenly Father and felt so engaged and so a part of helping. So as I pushed those doors open, it was a beautiful room with a a table that was shaped like a keystone in an archway. And uh Heavenly Father sat at the far end of it from where I entered the door, and the Savior was on his right hand, and a fuzzy image was on the left over there, where I imagined the Holy Ghost sat. And uh, the men were lined around the table, with uh, Joseph Smith being right at the end where I walked in. And I felt to walk around the table, and I stood behind George Albert Smith. And I knew him in an instance, and I had not really studied the prophets or anything, but I, I knew them all in an instance. As I looked across from where George Albert Smith sat, there was Moses, and I, he looks, Moses looks at me. And it's like, what can we do for you, Sean? And I was so deep and so sincere, and just like a long lost brother. I could just feel this love that, he had for me looking into his eyes and in my mind I was going you know you don't know me from Adam but then a few seats down is, there's Adam you know <laughs> so it was really amazing and then Heavenly Father says Sean let's re- review your life and a review of my life began to play and
0: before uh, you go into that let me just say for uh some of our listeners That uh, George Albert Smith, I think most people might know the name of Joseph Smith, as I've mentioned him before. He was the uh, founding uh, leader that formed the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who we revere as a prophet and was the man chosen to restore many of the lost truths that had been lost over centuries of time from the early Christian church. To now what we believe to be the latter day church restored. And then George Albert Smith is one of the men in the line of of presidents of the church who uh who succeeded him. He's several people down the line. Uh he was the prophet during the right after George uh excuse me, right after Hebert J. Grant passed away, which is right after the end of World War II. George Albert Smith was uh the uh, designated. Uh, president and Prophet of the Church, and then after him came David O. McKay, another name a lot of people recognize. So, just kind of set the stage, and and these men have uh, testified, especially George Obersmith, as I recall, Sean, about some of his um, crossing over the veil experience. I think I remember one of his, but he is a very loving, charitable man, uh, involved in scouting <clears throat> for many years back in the day, and uh, anyway. Why don't you go ahead and continue, Sean? Sorry about that.
1: No problem. Because I have felt very close to Jory Albersmith and have had, since this time period, many experiences where he was present. Um, but going on, Heavenly Father, he said, well, let's have a review of your life. And uh, it's hard to describe how this review played out, but every one of the brethren at that table could see it clearly from their angle of the table and it was almost like a 3d presentation uh laser presentation or something because it, it you know was way better than having a big screen view of my life and it's surprising how fast it went through uh compared to our time and as it completed i was surprised because there were times that i wasn't the best with my brothers and sisters at that point in my life and and I didn't feel like I was that good of a kid, especially with what I was going through and everything. And and yet the things that were the highlights of mine were things that I had forgotten. One and especially was a time when I was in a grocery store and coming through buying something there at a Safeway store and there was a lady behind me with a child in her arms and one in the cart and I could tell she was having a really bad day coming through and I had said something that caused her to smile and lifted her spirits and that was considered such a high mark or high thing and they revered But I had done that and yet I had totally forgotten that experience until mm. that point
0: so, wow so interesting was, and very consistent with other people's stories too
1: yeah uh at this point uh after seeing these things and talking a little bit about them there uh heavenly father says well you can stay here or you can go back and i have started to open my mouth because I was so used to speaking with my mouth versus just eye to eye. And I began, I started to mouth the words, I want to stay. And the Savior, who had been standing this whole time with me, we were the only two standing in the room, put his hand up, like, stop. And then he, with his index finger, motioned me, let's go for a walk. And um, we, I walked behind the table and we went out the back of the council chamber. But here for a moment, I'd like to say, you know, for many years, I was puzzled as to why the Savior stood and I stood and no one else stood in the meeting or whatever. And I was talking with my wife about this years after we were married. And she goes, well, Sean, he was your advocate. He was your lawyer representing you to the Father. He was taking it all for you. And I just broke down in tears. And wept because I was like, I can't believe that I didn't see this, that I didn't understand this, and it was so special to understand why he stood there. Mm. So as we left the back of that council chamber, um, I had many experiences with Heavenly Mother that I think we'll wait for another time. But I will say, I began to have this sacred knowledge of women and things that I had never understood before, especially when I had witnessed women being abused and hurt and that men were supposed to be in charge at that point in my life. But like, as I walked into her room, the light and uh, the feeling was so powerful. My mouth dropped open and my eyes got large and I knew without a shadow of a doubt That without this love of the Heavenly Mothers, that this universe and everything would cease to exist, that they would fall out of their orbits. Because this glue of their love made everything work. Without it, there was nothing.
0: I'd like to touch on this just briefly, if you don't mind, Sean. Uh, This might be a new concept for many people. There may be listeners who don't even maybe believe that there is a God I'm really hopeful that these podcasts will help people reconsider their position, or if if they're agnostic, to think, okay, well, this there's mounting evidence, and trust me, there's a ton of evidence from these kinds of experiences about the existence of God, despite people trying to discount them as a uh, end of life brain you know thing that happens there's a famous neurologist who talks about his out-of-body experience and he can clinically tell you and has all of his documentation he was gone and uh, was not like this brain was firing weird and had all these crazy experiences in just his brain these are real and as far as the mother in heaven goes uh, this is a very new concept for many people uh, in our in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we've been talking about this. That was there ever a you know a son without a father or a or a child without a mother as well as a father? And I just want to refer real quickly, Sean, and then we'll get back to this and we will have a bigger discussion about it when you feel it's appropriate. But in Genesis chapter one, listen to what it says. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image. I won't go into the Hebrew part of these words, but just listen to the words here. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. So there's a, there's a plurality going on in the scriptures in verse 26. And then both the male and the female are created in the images of God. And this highly suggests, uh, just right out the gate in the first chapter of the Bible, that there's also a mother involved in this process. Because certainly God is, uh, you know, male. Uh, He's referred to as he throughout scripture. But then there's this uh, woman being made in their image. So just want to throw that out there for people looking for some scriptural context.
1: I know that as I left this council chamber for many, many years, all I was kind of allowed to say was that if we used her name wrong, like so many times in the workplace, the father's name and the savior's name are yelled out in swearing and swear words that if we used her name like that, that it'd be easier, better for lightning to hit us because it was There was so much reverence for this name and to have it spoken irreverently or talked about in an ever irreverent way that um, it would be one of the worst sins. It would just be terrible, terrible. And I never wanted to ever speak wrongly of her again.
0: We do have another. I'm sorry, please. Go ahead, Grace. I do have, there's another reference also, this one is in the book of Moses, which is part of the Pearl of Great Price, where we see the that the earth, uh, which is a associated, or rather there is a female spirit associated with this earth, and as sin is uh, multiplying and existing on the face of the earth, that she's groaning in pain and suffering and asking the Lord, when am I going to be relieved of this wickedness? And of course, we know from the Book of Revelation that the Earth gets a big reprieve, you know, during the Millennium in the in the process of becoming a an elevated uh, paradis, paradisical or paradisical planet. Um, but there is a female spirit associated with this Earth, which is very interesting. Uh, I find as well another evidence of that. And yeah, when I was younger. Well, people said, I don't think this was scriptural, but it was said a lot, just what you said. So I love this confirmation, which is that the father is protecting his wife. He's protecting mother um, from the abuses. It's horrible. You can't even turn on a show today, almost any show, without them using the Lord's name in vain. And I do believe, I I feel it as we talk about it today, that uh, her... uh, the female part of the creation energy and the gods is very, very special and sacred and is protected. And uh, and I believe that is why we don't know more or don't have more revealed.
1: You know, uh, a little, taking away just a little bit from this experience right now, when I was able to get my patriarchal blessing, because we live so far away, I was allowed to have mine from Elder G. Smith in the church office building. And in part of that, Elder G. Smith pulled me aside one-on-one away from my mom and others that were with me to get that blessing. And we talked for quite a while. And some of the things that we talked about was how that this earth was mimicked in a way of heaven. And we talked about Heavenly Mother. And we talked about uh, how that we had families on the other side and that things extended beyond here with the Heavenly Mother there. And it was such a beautiful experience of having that explained by the Church Patriarch there at that time.
0: Interesting. Well, please so, continue.
1: Uh, so as we left that, uh, we the Savior and I it almost like stood in space, looking over through space at the earth from a distance, and we could see prayers coming up. And they came up as beams of light and with different intensities. And I was really surprised. He showed me how that a mother's prayer for her child in many ways was brighter and had more power coming back to heaven than a priesthood blessings and priesthood stuff. And I understand now that the love of a mother and the power and pleading of a mother for her child's safety is carries so much weight with it and so much power that it comes out brighter as it goes back. And those prayers being addressed and and taken care of with that increased brightness and stuff are are addressed quickly and the best they can, you know, over the others just the speed of it and everything so intense. And at that point we walked a little bit and we came. I could see as we approached it that there were these kind of a oval shape of uh, crystals. And as we got closer and closer, I could it appeared to be almost uh, small quartz crystals just vibrating and creating a portal. And as we walked to this portal and it got bigger and more excited, uh, the savior held my hand because I would not have had the energy and the knowledge to go through this uh, to different spots. And so we came here to Earth and saw things in their present and in their future states. And I saw many friends and uh, loved ones here that I had never met or seen before and uh, saw that how if I chose not to come back, what would happen? I was also shown uh, taken to Spirit prison, and I had been shown trials in my life, uh, one of which would be suicide and taking my life. We went to Spirit prison and saw many different levels of spirit prison, one of them which is the people who have committed suicide and rocking back and forth and trying to go back and put their arms around loved ones. And I saw specifically at the age of 14, 15 there that a daughter that I would have, and if I had committed suicide, it affected three generations down. And how distraught I was in seeing these grandsons and so forth, and how it affected their lives and it brought down their energy and the trials that they had to overcome because I had taken my life, you know,
0: so that
1: became very ingrained in me. And, uh, I, there's some very special pictures I'd love to find again, but like the savior standing on a edge of a valley, looking over a valley and looking at things and talking over a city. uh, I experienced that I was there, as we traveled through many different portals and was shown so much.
0: Can you uh, describe uh, with the spirit prison? Just go back to spirit prison. I'm sorry. Uh, before we leave that topic, can you describe? We have descriptions in First Peter four seven and First Peter three eighteen and nineteen in the Bible, the New Testament, which indicate that the Savior during his three days prior to the resurrection were visiting spirits in prison and preaching the gospel. Now, the uh, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, given uh, based upon a vision bu- given to Joseph F. Smith, who was um, Joseph Smith's nephew, uh, he was uh, Hiram Smith's son. He had a vision of the of the. Of of these things going on, and he had it in October of 1918, and he describes also um, two things. One, he said that uh, people uh, saw the absence of their bodies as like a bondage; uh, they really wanted their bodies back, which is completely different from the Greek philosophy philosophers. But he also said um, that uh, the Savior didn't only go there, but he went there to organize. Um, other uh, spirits to preach to them so can you kind of describe if you can confirm what you saw if that if you can confirm any of that information or add additional insight
1: yes Uh, a few years back i happened to see uh the ohio earthworks and in there uh they have got this oh it must be 40 to 80 acres in the mounds and the way the hills are and stuff. And it's shaped like the plan of salvation. But I got so excited when I saw one part and uh, it was the exact shape of spirit prison. And it even had the interview office there that I had seen. Um, and I just, I was just so excited to see what I had seen laid out on the ground in this Ohio earthworks. But there is, three levels to spirit prison as there are with many many things um and i would add that uh, spirit prison was not only created by the savior but by michael and setting that up as the head of the human family and that having stewardship over that that they worked together to design this and to set it up But on the far side, it's very dark. And it's because the energy of the people and the way they feel about themselves is so low that there's almost an orange glow there, or something almost like what we'd imagine hell in a way. But it's just the people are so upset with themselves, mainly. And then there's a lighter side. And uh, there's beautiful grounds and rolling hills with these fences and the interesting thing to me and i i I always say spirit prison is such a misnomer because it really is a a school and the reason why it has fences up is because it's keeping out those that chose to go with lucifer and lucifer so they're protected from the daunting and the accusing and the back and forth of those so they have a place a peace to be and then there's a beautiful chapel. And uh, there's these angels. I would call them angels in white. They have once lived upon the earth. And they serve as teachers in there. And they just are wandering and walking around in there. And you know, if they see somebody that wants to talk, they'll sit down with them on a bench and talk. And if they feel like they need to talk more seriously or rest in the chapel, they go to the chapel and sit on a pew and visit. And uh, if the person so chooses to come back and see loved ones, that they will go to the interview office and ask to be released, and they go with a guide angel to visit family again. And uh, the early stages, and I've experienced this because of we've had some suicides in our fa- in my wife's family and uh, very dear ones that have committed suicide, but we here on earth have a cord or a chain to these people that are in spirit prison. As we don't forgive them, they are bound and by these cords and they they have struggled to learn or progress in spirit prison. And we we forgive the actions and let go of these things. They're released and then they are can be taught and can grow and go forward so that's why i don't like calling it spirit prison because there's a growth there and there's a learning and it's free from lucifer
0: (laughs) interesting would it also be true did you see that um the savior said that you know we need to forgive others and if we don't then we're held we're judged by the same standard did you see people or did you get the sense that you know if you didn't forgive you couldn't for progress either
1: yes i saw that as we die on this earth and we have held things within us that it puts a bondage or a burden on us which when we go back to the other side this bondage is held with us and it's so much harder i would say it's 10 times harder to forgive on the other side without a body and that may be an understatement, but it, it, it carries with us. And like in Alma, he talks about when we die, it's so important to die with a yearning or a wanting to go forward and to serve and to see Christ. In that, then, as we do that, it is such a blessing to us. But if we die with an addiction or with a burden upon us that we're kind of bound to those addictions still, and like in as my experience was so early in the seventies, there weren't very many books on there. in fact, in the eighties was the first time I'd heard of a book out and um turned to think of the name of this fellow, but he talked about spirits coming back and uh, going to the bars and trying to get inside somebody's body as they were drinking to feel that rush again because they longed for that feeling of being drunk again and the experience and so. I could definitely see that we are bound by the things that we wanted in this earth, like Alma said. Um,
0: Very interesting. The addiction part I've heard of before that overcoming an addiction. So I, I'm just thinking of a person, let's say that has a, uh, let's say they're a tobacco problem. They just constantly are smoking and they have that nicotine addiction to then suddenly die and be without their body, how hard that must be To um, if that addiction is accentuated by the fact they can't satisfy the craving. And the big
1: thing over there, and and it's the same here, is that one of the best ways to overcome addiction is to try to find a way to serve, try to find a way to go outside of oneself and one's feelings, and try to help somebody else and that's where you kind of go into training with these angels and start to serve with them and learn the ropes so to speak and see if you can help us they do because there's a, a growth period you don't even if you die righteous there you still don't understand how to travel back around and do different things or how to carry messages down to loved ones when it's granted by our heavenly Father. there's a learning curve there.
0: It's so interesting. So. I'm so grateful for the deacon's advisor when I was 12 years old who had us go rake leaves at a at a at a house for an older couple that lived in a trailer park. and we just raked leaves and I'd never I don't think I ever did any service for anybody before that I could think of. and it was a it was a game changer. How happy I felt.
1: Uh, I, I still get
0: emotional just, thinking about what a change that was for me in my life to, to realize that just an act of service can make me feel so good.
1: I always tell people when they're stumped and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go, find a way to I mean, um, I get totally away from our message here, but our, we had a doc that was in... Uh, it's suicide overall we've gone through like 37 suicide attempts and the other day we were going to go meet with the doctors and uh comment i was doing this over and over and not getting any new results and i was just mad and, and i was like just praying as i was working i can't go there i expect new results or bet if I'm angry inside. And the picture came in my mind of help those at work. Being a wealth inspector and mm-hmm. noticed somebody dropped a hammer while I was at their station or somebody turning a beam around. And I did those little things I'm so at how quickly my mood changed and how I had a of contempt, I had a spirit where learning could occur again but that was testimony to me that, that i had seen side was defined by what was experienced
0: so sean uh currently there uh the your microphone is starting to break up a little bit um i think what we'll do is i'm going to pause the recording for now and then i'm going to have you call back in and see if we can get a better connection all right Okay. Okay. I'll pause it now. And we'll come back right back on. This is Vision of Zion, okay. an interview with Sean White about his near death experience. We'll be right back.